Hello and welcome to the Further Your Fitness podcast. This is episode something. I can't remember what, what number we're on. I'm sure I'll go back and edit it later. But with me today, I have a returning Dan Morgan, aka Dan O'Connor. And we have Peter Cullen with hey, us hey. today. How are we, lads? Hey. Ah, not bad. Another another oh. evening doing admin for us all. I think. Yeah, it's been admin. a while. It's been a while since um, I've done a, an episode, and you two now have to follow on from the Doctor Mike Israel episode. So, and good luck with that one. Oh, great! Yeah, big big act to follow. No pressure. Yeah, well, I, I know that we we've well, Pete mainly you. You've organised this podcast, even though you're the first, you the newest guest of the podcast. Um, and you've had a couple of people ask some questions. Um, I mean, so I think no questions at all until like about two hours ago, and then just swamped. That's usually how it works. People are usually doing weird shit on Sundays as well, and <laughs> suddenly do nothing and just hog their phones for hours. Um, I think we'll start with. I think we've got two questions, which I expected when you put this up, which is to do with. Um, yourself being vegan hey, did you expect that yeah yeah um, diet and bodyweight exercises tends to be the go-to yeah so for anyone who doesn't know pete pete is um a vegan and has been for a while i think five years this year I cut five, out years. five years i started making changes um and mainly i say because you don't only do calisthenics but that's kind of your like that's my specialty. Background and my, my niche, so to speak. It's what I enjoy most of all. Mm. But when and then Dan gets you programs, you like squats and stuff. Yeah, just, I'm like, do some legs, do some legs, do massive delta twat. <laughs> <laughs> and there, there, there goes the PG. There goes the PG rating. PG's out the window. I've never done bench until you put it. Never benched. Whoa, that's crazy. Weird. Never benched with an hundred kilo, well, an eighty kilo dip. I think when you started, for me, I was in ninety yeah. kilo dip, and then we got a <laughs> hundred. That's crazy. Yeah, but what what Pete isn't telling you is he was also ninety percent tricep until he started doing a bit of squats. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the question at hand was the journey to veganism and how it affects training slash diet. So training wise, well, so when it comes to veganism or like plant being plant based. When it comes to training, nothing really matters. Uh, sorry, nothing really changes as far as like how your training goes, I would say. The transition to the diet, though, um, it definitely is like it's like any sort of change. I think it's more habit forming. So taking your time with it and, and making small increments, that, like small changes at a time. So for me, I cut out beef and dairy. That was the first one to go. And then a few months later, I cut out all meat apart from fish and eggs. And then those two were the last things to go like a few months after that. And then, but um, yeah, that, that, that was making the change. And then when it comes to training and then like recovery and that sort of thing, then you have to be a lot more smart, a lot smarter about hitting. It's a lot harder to do a high protein vegan diet. Um, you just have to be a lot smarter about it because it's not much, it's not, it's, if you eat meat, it's obviously a lot easier to hit, to hit your protein target on whatever given calories. But 
Yeah, like I'd, I'd like to butt in and say I think there's a lot of vegans out there that don't do it well is yeah. really the best way I can say it. Yeah, like well, I think we spoke the other day about like supplementation of B12 and IEN is probably one of the most vital things for vegans just because you can't get it from sources. But there's so many vegans that I think we've probably all dealt with at some point. We've had a vegan client who mainly lives off like just basic carbs, nothing else really. And then you've got to then change things. Just, yeah, chips, beige, all the food but beige. <laughs> beige. <laughs> beige. Beige diet. I was like, oh, I went, I went vegan and it made me ill. Like, what were you eating? Chips. Anything else? Chips and nuggets? It's like, cool, here we are. Just corn, chicken, nuggets and chips. I suppose you, you, from your perspective, you're obviously well clued up and, and knowledgeable. So it, I suppose it is easier for you to be conscious of protein. But I, I suppose with your training and stuff, whereas a lot of people, when they go vegan and maybe they don't train, they just do it from a holistic slash like um, welfare, animal welfare perspective. They do, they're not yeah. thinking of protein. They're just thinking, you know, of that side of it. I don't think they need to think if, um, if they have a balanced, is it a balanced vegan diet? I think it's full of colors and whatnot. And they're like, like I said, they make sure they're getting their B12 and iron. Then it won't, if they don't train, I don't think they really have to worry about protein. There's not really like there's they're not gonna have a, not gonna be protein deficient, but yeah. to have a high protein diet on a vegan diet is more challenging. Mm. I was gonna say about protein shakes. So like, whereas protein shakes is very convenient. So a lot of people who I um, this is an argument I guess I guess thrown towards me every now and then is like oh that I couldn't have I couldn't have a diet where I have to have a protein shake to hit my protein target. Like, oh cool. What 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 do what protein shakes do you have? Like, oh yeah, I got diet whey and this is what I have. And I have it yeah. for breakfast post-workout it's like right okay so you also have it and you also eat meat yeah well it's still hard to hit your your protein diet it's the target's quite hard like i double up my scoops after i train so that's like 40 grams of protein through a shake i think when somebody's saying they don't want to have a protein shake in their diet they're not i think i don't think they're fighting the protein shake they're fighting the diet Mm. i think they're not arguing for they're just looking for a way out yeah 100%. 100%. Like they're making that and we know, like, and I'm sure most of the general public know, you could just eat a different sauce. You don't have to have a shake. Yeah, don't like, have to. But it's convenient. It's, <laughs> yeah, of course it is. They just, if somebody can't think of something that's convenient, they don't like shakes and you find an alternative and most people yeah. don't want the alternative. They just want to be told it can't be done. I, and I don't mean that as a derogatory term. It's just something people I think are afraid of making those steps towards making changes and they try to find any reason out of it. Yeah. Any any change to the unknown is going to be scary, and people don't like change. That's yeah, mm. that's the biggest thing. People don't like change. We we all get stuck in our. Do way. you do you deal with a lot of vegan clients now, or are you, the main body of your clients normal like omnivores, or have, do you have a base across more veganism now? It's about fifty fifty, and some of them uh, since being with me have actually transitioned over. So I had this client. Uh, I got this. I got this client who. Um, I can't describe him. He just comes across as a lad's lad, a lad lad. I don't know why. He's just like, I can imagine him down the pub and like, that's just, he's just a lad lad. Like, Talk, talking about uh, sport, boobs, and meat. Yeah, that's literally <laughs> how, like, how I envision. I, I don't, I don't want to be stereotypical, but I just kind of like, that's yeah, how that's fine. I kind of see him. And like, and we don't really chat very much. He's not, he doesn't like do very small talk. You know, he smiles with a, with a dead face. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but he's, he's a great guy. And then but during lockdown, out of nowhere, um, we had our first session back this week. And out of nowhere, he's like, oh, I'm vegan now. Just out of nowhere. I was like, what? I just didn't expect him to ask him why. I was just like, what on earth? 
I just didn't expect it to come from him. And I was like, yeah, I went veggie, now, now I'm vegan. But people, um, Do you find many people drop off or do you find like they start with the best intentions and drop off or do you find once they make the change, people stick it? Ooh. it again, it depends if they're doing it right or wrong. If like, they're doing it, if they're doing vegan badly, then yeah, they won't stick it. Hmm. That's fair, yeah. Like, it's like when you see people who go mental for keto on the oh, other end yeah. of the spectrum. I was just They go mental that. for it. They love it for, four, they love it for four or five weeks. Yeah, that's it. And then when they feel like a sack of shite, they're like, oh, I'm not doing this <laughs> no not, more. Yeah. Is, that, is that the transition between, like, just before you go into ketosis where, like, you drop hard? Well, yeah, you're going to get a shed load of fluid loss because of the amount of carbohydrates you lose in mm. probably the first seven to 14 days. I think it's 21 days below 30 grams of carb to be truly keto. And if you want to be arsy about it, you need piss sticks really to test it. That's when you're going to really struggle and start to feel the neurological effects, I would have thought. And then it's like, what, probably two or three weeks of adapting before you start to feel normal on keto. And I'd say 90% of people crack long before that. Yeah, Yeah, I suppose that's that's just before fat takes over as an energy source. So you really haven't got one. They haven't actually proven fat adaptation takes place, though, they? They've said this now. They've only ever shown that fat adaptation will only ever equal or have a worse outcome on performance. Yeah. And it'll never be better than carbohydrates. No, it's just not. <laughs> Carbs are king. For the t- yeah. For the, for the type of exercise that it's in. And like we all know, most nutritional studies are done on endurance sport, which whether it's longer endurance or anaerobic stuff, it's going to need carbs. Carbohydrates is a fuel because you just can't oxidize fats in that environment for most of the time. No. But an, that's a different story for a different day. <laughs> the keto episode. I've had, no, we haven't done that. Um, I was actually listening to the Joe Rogan podcast. Um, and I think he touched on with um, Ethan Supley. I think I said that right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were talking about um, like ultra marathon races and some of them are keto and they still like, <laughs> they, they carb load. Yeah. So, the, so so all that reason, and then just before a race, it's like, oh yeah, that thing that I really like endorse and things. Yeah, when I actually do the race, I scrap it and just shove all the carbs into. They couldn't do it without it. Yeah. Do you well, know much about like um, they're trying to replace meat sources with bug and like insect sources yeah. because they can they can farm them more intensely without having the same effect on the ecosystem. What's your thoughts on that? We've actually got more protein per gram than like meat, apparently. And So would you eat them? Yeah. I have this disconnect because I have that disconnection, I think. So you said that about fish, haven't you, previously? Yeah. So I have this disconnection with fish as well. So sushi has always been my treat and like, yeah, so sushi's always been my treat. And because I have that disconnection with fish. And so yeah, would I eat bugs? Probably. If I had that, uh, I don't know. It depends. I, I don't know. Maybe. It's a, a good question. It was better yeah. than my arse. If it's cooked and in front of me, if it's cooked and in front of me, I'll eat it. I, I'm <laughs> like, my, I've just had scallops, prawns for starter, duck for main. I'm pretty good today. You're going across the spectrum, like. Okay. I'll eat all of the animals. I'm like the really bad version of Noah. <laughs> <laughs> an, arc. an arc with, a, with a, an oven to, at, the, at the entrance. So arc. as they were, <laughs> as they were all walking through. It. Farm foods written underneath it. <laughs> Noah's, Noah's oven. 
Yeah. As they step onto the ark. <laughs> two by two. No worse, Evan. On the insect thing, I think they were um, releasing an insect restaurant somewhere in the UK. I remember, I remember seeing that a couple of years ago. He's one of the boys who worked in Vitality for a bit. He started bringing in mealworms, but oh, they were quite expensive. They were good for protein, but they were like quite expensive. So I think it was when he was relatively new. But in theory, that could outstrip meat production, or so they say, in which would be interesting. Interesting. Okay. What's next, Lloydie boy? <laughs> we're still on Pete now. He's still getting interrogated. Um, I'm going to rephrase this. Because it says, what got you into using the rings? But I'm going to say, like, what got you into using the rings slash calisthenics? Okay, so, right, so, so for those of you who don't know, um, who are listening, who actually give a shit, um, gymnastic-based strength training is my, my training of choice. Um, and I got three younger brothers, and they're all into climbing. And when I was, what got me first into fitness, um, I went and went climbing with them or did, I did something physical with them and I was like not into fitness at all at this point and I was horrendously unfit and they just kicked my ass and whatever it was and as the oldest of four I could not like leave that spot so I started training and uh, I, I got hurt on uh, climbing like really early on it was kind of like, like made, you know, made me fearful of it but I but they all trained body weight and I loved love that style of training but again i got i kept getting hurt so for about 19 or 18 19 months i had like really bad tendonitis in my elbow that i just could not shift and then um i started getting really really interested in um how we move and why we move like that so not just like why well, we move like this um but also why do we move like that why is that so efficient or why is this way better than this way why would we compensate and move a different way and whatnot so i just love I love all that. I love how every move in calisthenics is a compound move and the progressions with it as well. So rather than like adding weight or changing your tempo or something like that for progression, you're learning a new move. You're doing a move that your body could not do before. And that to me is just more, it's so appealing. Dan, I'm going to move this on to you. Did, when Pete came to you, because obviously you coach both of us, did you, were you quite like daunted by the the kind of idea of, of training Pete with these movements? Um, yeah, so like when Pete came to me, like calisthenics isn't quite my bread and butter, but like if you treated like any other movement progression, you try and strip back and move forward and try and find what works. So like the probably the hardest thing for me with Pete was because I say this because I, I steal it from my old lecturer as a uni. Pete came to me and I was polishing a Ferrari is the nicest way to put it. I was icing on the cake stuff, nothing huge change from Pete's training really because he had a lot of the basics nailed down very well his form was great but the problem thing that I think most people lack and Pete lacked at the time and he probably admit this himself was consistency and progression 100%. so like he was fucking really strong as a bull but I think he'd got as far as he could being as strong as a bull without a program and like getting him on program and the hardest bit was finding percentages for those body weight movements because they're so taxing so whether it's with a squat and a deadlift, you've got a good idea. Sorry, Pete, carry on. Yeah, I was going to say, we only, the only really teething problems that we have was the weighted calisthenic stuff, was uh, because yeah. the percentages and stuff was really confusing. And uh, until the numbers were high enough, the, the numbers really didn't make sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It took us a while to get you to that point where, like, 
70% correlated well to the movement we wanted because obviously you've got to take your body weight to account and like obviously a muscle up compared to a chin, the strains on the joint structures. It took us about, what, eight to 10 weeks to get those numbers right and then something clicked in place and he started making ridiculous progress as I expected. But the hardest thing for me was to kind of find the cross crossover between the way I program percentages and progressions for then muscle up. So I think a lot of the stuff I did was more rep based progression than weight on the muscle ups and the chins yeah. were quite small jumps compared to what you do on a squat or a deadlift. Um, but once we found the niche, like Pete obviously does everything you tell him to because he does just does the systems and when he's on form, he's brilliant. And he just took that original hurdle. And when we got over it, like I think, what do you get in the end, Pete? A hundred kilo dip and an 80 kilo chin, was it? Or? Uh, 70 kilo chin up and a 100 kilo dip and i did 85 kilo for three on the dips 90 kilo for two and with the chin ups i did 65 for two yeah 65 for two 62.5 for three and then a 70 for a single yeah and 70, so like 25 kilo muscle up and 17.5 for three sets of three huge numbers and i think we maybe added probably five to ten percent onto those numbers depending on lift to it like obviously the muscle up was much slower progression than the chins. The hardest thing for me, or what I found, we, we found the middle ground was, that I, I let Pete program his own progressions for front levers and kind of the more complicated calisthenic stuff that I didn't have a grasp on. I just made sure his bare, boring strength moved forward so those other movements could benefit from the progressions that Pete programmed himself. Yeah. It's been an interesting partnership because he's taught me as much as I've probably imparted on him. He's taught me a different way of training. Uh, being accountable has been like the biggest, biggest benefit. That's exactly why I've got a coach as well. I think everybody, without plugging PTs and sounding like we're all plugging PTs here, <laughs> a coach and everything. Like I've got a coach myself, and like I'm even thinking about in time, seeing how things go. I think I might even take on some form of business coach because I believe we can all use coaches in different parts of our life. Hundred percent. And. And you might not even, that person you take on as a coach might not even be more knowledgeable or maybe not more knowledgeable than you think. It can be either end of the spectrum. But because you're either A, imparting with cash or trusting somebody else to take over your training, that bond makes you do the things you want. You don't always want to do. Yeah. And I, I, I think, I genuinely believe that everyone can, um, without getting too, without broadening it too much, but everyone can teach everyone something. Mm. But like, True. everyone can teach. You can what did learn- somebody tell me before? Never treat anybody as an idiot because guaranteed they can do something better than you. Yeah, true. The only problem with the uh, the business thing, like it, it's such a good idea, but they all come across as scumbags, don't they? Oh, yeah. Oh, they like <laughs> sit in there like, and they're always the ones that like crop up on your YouTube and like your Facebook, standing in front of Ferrari, like. They like, I, like oh. I, I just come across as really arrogant and sort of. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I always assume as well that, that like when you sign up to them, they'll be like, they'll tell you like, I think I've said this to you before, Dan, like they'll just tell you the best time to post on Instagram and you're like, you just yeah. shelled out like 500 quid. Yeah, I, I went to a, an Instagram um, like business building thing and it was like, oh yeah, this it was, it was awful. It was terrible. Um, <laughs> just something that was awful. Yeah. <laughs> I can't, I it's, I can't. I, I took nothing from it at all. A bit like the um, the, it's a bit like the the David Goggins thing where we've had a chat with with Roy Dan, where he just like throws out like these buzzwords that like get you hyped. 
I'm the one that breaks what they me do. about the online marketing crew, the online marketing, the one that breaks me more than anything, is it'll be like a Monday evening and they'll be like, oh, last space gone, my books are closed. Yeah, Wednesday afternoon, classic. two spaces left. Fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We know well, in this industry, as a PT, you probably never fill the capacity because as soon as you think you're a capacity, two people walk away. Yeah, I'm quite same. lucky the other way around. I whenever I tend to lose or like clients drop off, I've got this weird, like almost like my phone sniffs people out and I get messages like and they those fill they get filled. But it's always that like cycle. It's weird. I literally I literally had a consultation this morning and they didn't turn up. Um, I did my class and one of the people in my class booked on like weird. straight. <laughs> <laughs> so strange. Do you know what I say, guys? Only. Who needs marketing? Prove you can get results and people will come anyway. Yeah. Like, that's my thing. Prove you can get results and people will come. Because that's how it works. Well, like, like, if you've, I know this, this sounds cheesy, but if you've kind of changed someone's life, they're going to want to, like, rave about you, aren't they? I've got a book here somewhere called Raving Fans, and it's built around the gym industry and, like, getting people to like your gym and your staff. And it's all about just giving people the service they ask for. Mm. I'm like, don't get me wrong, guys. We guide people to their goals, but that's all we are. People want to action, and it's really mm. the clients that do all the work. You've just got oh, to yeah. guide them there. Yeah. And then when they achieve the goals, they thank you, right? But all we do is guide. You can't make people get better, but you can help them. And then if you give them those experiences and what they want in the best way, they will then sell you to your friends. Like I read, I need to get a few, Viral Nomics by Jonathan Goodman. He's like a PT oh, marketer. And he says, like, he goes through this entire book saying how good social media is. And then in like the last chapter or so, he literally says, but nothing sells like word of mouth. Like if no. if Pete, Pete, if somebody comes to me and they're like, oh, is Pete any good? And I go, Pete's great, go with him. They won't even question that. But online, they've got to trust you for X amount of months mm. before they buy from you. You're, more, yeah. you're far more likely to buy, from, buy something that someone's recommended than something that's been advertised like online. Yeah, because you can't trust them. No. Yeah, because <laughs> they're all dodgy got, scumbags. No, dodgy yeah. was Ferraris. Yeah, I've got one more question before this becomes like a kind of question free for all. Dan, if if Pete's like polish polishing a Ferrari, what would you compare me to, culture wise? Turd. <laughs> I'm waiting for it. I'm <laughs> I knew that was was never going to be a compliment. Uh, no, but like you were the same man. Like I'm saying this, and not blowing smoke in your there wasn't a huge amount they changed with your training. You had the same issues that Pete had, but on a different scale, consistency mm. and keeping on it. And like, because I think because we're PTs, we forget that we need to train as well. We need to look after ourselves. And sometimes you get so caught up in working six till nine at night and making sure all your clients are on board that sometimes you forget to do your own nutrition and your own training and you fall behind a bit. Yeah. And then I got to go, Lloyd, stop having chicken burgers and five pints on a Sunday night. <laughs> Friday night. <laughs> it was literally, what was it? It's like, almost like you just sit there programming for people and then you're eating and you're like, I haven't done any steps today and I've eaten 500 calories in the time I've been working for everyone else. A coach allows me to go into the gym for my hour and just flick that switch and just do what I need to do. Otherwise, yeah. I'll end up changing my own programming or faffing around. And like with you, what did we put yeah. on your bench? How many kilos did we add uh, to your bench just from basic progression? Well, it was it was 15K of like testing, but like the volume that came with it, it has blown me away. Like I'm doing, yeah. I, well, this week is one, two, five. 
for four sets of four, which I think I'll hit unless my jab arm goes. No, um, that's that's vaccine jab, by the way. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and that my my one rep max was one twenty, so I've added four reps to my one rep max. There was nothing jazzy for that. There was nothing overly jazzy. That was just progression and consistency. And I think people want fitness to be sexy and want it to be like, oh, do this in 10 weeks time, you'll have this, this, this. It's doing the numbers, getting your meals in, hitting your targets, being consistent and getting your sleep done. It's not hard, but it's getting to stick to it. That's the hard part. And life happens, isn't it? Like we all know, people have got kids, people have got hard jobs. It's just finding that way around for them. I think that's the hardest part. I think people are like that they overreach not in terms of like the way that we know overreaching in terms of like setting your numbers to buy but so people tend to overreach from the start so they'll go i haven't trained in a year i haven't been a member of a gym in a year let's do six sessions a week and it's like well yeah you do three like for example there's a weird way to announce it but as you both know i'm going to be a dad in september and I know hey. <laughs> hey, I'm going to probably drop down to three. <laughs> but all my mates were just like, I'm just surprised you're not a virgin. I was like, me too. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, like, probably going to go down to three, like, three a week. The one question I ask my clients, first of all, is one of the first questions I ask them in the session is, what can you make to the gym on a bad week? And if mm. they say three, that's what program they get. Three yeah. days. Yeah, it's better. I, I, I do the exact same. I, I say, uh, how many sessions do you want in a week? And they go, five. I say, well, how many sessions can you realistically make <laughs> yeah. in that week? And they go, three. <laughs> I'm like, cool, right? So, <laughs> And like you guys know as well, when you follow an actual program, nobody wants to train more than four days a week on week no. six. No. <laughs> so <laughs> When you were like, I am beaten up. I do not want to train five days I'm a like, week. No, thank Aching you. Aching for a deload. I'm like, oh, thank God for that. <laughs> and like, the deload is a case of like, get me in 30 minutes and then I'm going to bed. Fine. Yeah, I think people miss out on, miss, people miss out on enjoying the process and not looking towards the end goal. So like mm. tick, like, I don't know if it's up there anymore, but I've got like daily goals I set on my wall that I tick as much as I can. And if you just focus on the daily tasks and do them every single day, before you know it, you reach the end goals. Like, yeah. I think we Funny all get enough, caught up in that sometimes. There's actually a question of the importance of a deload, but I'm fairly sure. Uh, what I can't remember if it, Mike Israel covered that last time. Yeah, I think you discussed deloading with him because he said Mike was perfect. Boom! <laughs> I did. What was it? It, it was the, the the deload where you keep the load the same but drop keep volume. load but drop volume by seven. Did you drop yeah. the volume or drop the intensity? Yeah. Always drop volume. Keep yeah. intensity high. Yeah. It's a shame, well, it's well, a shame that he won't be able to put a face to the name because he definitely won't be watching this or listening to this. <laughs> Might get I can't back. wait for him to tweet you later. <laughs> um, oh, Ask him to see his phone ex- number. <laughs> I've got one here. <laughs> Exercise fads and diets to avoid, but that's just... That's a full episode. Keto. Sorry. Is it easier to say? Yeah, let's move on from that now. All of them. Is it easier to say the ones not to avoid? Yeah. Yeah. Funny enough, <laughs> I was going to say, um, I was watching some of the road tracking the other day, and um, I was a couple, I can't remember who it was. They're both in the fitness industry, and one was like, I don't really track. But then the male was like, You should encourage it, even if it's just for two weeks, just to see. 
Because otherwise you have no idea. A lot of people, That's the funny thing. Yeah. I think, for me, I think tracking shouldn't be for life. But if you've done it for six months or so, you'll have a much better handle on portion control and maybe what you should be eating. And that, like, people probably tell me what they think. If I went to a vegan... No, because my my uh, omnivorous diet has been so second nature to me for so long. I'd have to track even more closely yeah, to make sure yeah. what I get the nutrients that I need. Hundred percent. Yeah, it's a, uh, any, any change. Yeah, need to need to sort of um, yeah need to track it. Any any kind of change to your diet, you need obviously you need to track it to see what exactly what it's doing. And you got to dial it in. Like I wouldn't know what two hundred grams of tofu looks like compared to two hundred <laughs> grams of chicken. I could tell you at about two hundred yards. Yeah, <laughs> that's one thing you were good, definitely great for as a coach. If I if, if there was a meal made for me that I didn't do oh, myself, I'd just take a photo and send it to Dan. What's next, Lloyd? I'm interested. I know it's quite hard. Oh, so ben. There was one that says benefits, to be fair. benefits of having a personal trainer, but I think we've covered that in general. Yeah, I, I, the, I one thing that's come to me Wait, since the gym's reopened is go on if you. I said to someone, I can't remember who it was, and it was, it was slightly bitchy in a way because, you know, <laughs> <laughs> trying to not come off like a dick. But I said, like, there are so many people in the gym day to day that think they don't need help. And I said, I think it was one of the PTs, wasn't you? It was a PT. I said, I could take a walk around the gym now and probably correct certain things that, and some very, and people who, the people who, wouldn't even think twice about having a PT that I could go around and tell, 100%. at least give some advice on something, even if their form or their, their exercise was great. Yeah. I could still be like, how's your nutrition? They'd be like, I don't even care about nutrition. I'd be like, well, you're wasting your time. <laughs> there's, there's something that a, P, a good coach can offer anyone in the gym. Particularly when it comes to form. Um, and then this was a, this was something that popped up the other day as well. Like, are these people training or are they exercising? Uh, oh, oh, we had that question. No, that's something. So, like, I could rant about that all day long. <laughs> like, so are these are they exercising or are, are they training? Like, what's, what's and the I think difference? You summed it up pretty well, Lloyd. Um, well, progression. Yeah, basically. The end. Most people a- can exercise six days a week, but they won't train three days a week. There's yeah. a difference. Progression is the key. And like you know, like we all know, we just said earlier, training four days a week on week six is different to exercising six days a week on six days on I, week I six. I different animals. I can't exercise. I cannot go to the gym and exercise. Like I, I, I can't do it. If I don't have a program, I'm useless. useless. If I don't have a program, I can't work out. No. Yeah, I suppose I suppose you could go around in like, circle exercising for, like you said, endlessly. But there's there's not a goal. And I, I I had the argument the other day, not the argument, but I said to one of my clients, I think it was, that um, oh, I, I think I posted about it as well. Follow me as a plug. <laughs> um, <laughs> is, um, is to not train as well, not to train for fat loss, unless if there's like a fitness element to it and you play a sport, then you have to do fitness. But I wouldn't di- directly train for fat loss because... No, not at all. Because you need the habits of outside of the gym to prop you up help. with fat you loss. You can't train a bad diet. No, exactly. And you I, can't well, outdrug well, it, though. <laughs> 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 I think Charlie Francis said that. Don't quote me on that. <laughs> Direct quote. 
you find there's people who um people so clients that have come to you who have been exercising exercising for years and not training but exercising for years compared to a client who's never set foot in the gym um i always much prefer i don't i much i find it well that's much prefer but i always find it easier than managing um pt in someone who's very fresh because i'm not hammering out years of bad habits yeah blank yeah, canvas blank canvas for sure yeah. You want the people who think they can train six days a week until you give them a program, like you said, you've got to break that habit and get them to trust you and get yeah. them to trust your process is really hard when they want to... They just form and that's when they want to disco. Yeah. Oh, you said that. That's, yeah, fair play. That's, that's perfect, Pete. Like form for somebody who's learned really bad form, trying to re-ingrain that. It's a nightmare. Like I think, um, just to bore you a bit, I think when I was in uni, there was a... We were talking about like biomechanics and stuff. And they were saying there was a diver who was losing points in the Olympics every time he was going. So they broke it down on a video skill and they found he was losing points by the way he was leaving the board. It took them four years to break that skill down and rebuild it for the next Olympics because he'd ingrained it so subconsciously. So how he had to go all the way back. Habit, yeah. They're not thinking about how they're squatting. They're just squatting. And if it's good or bad, doesn't like doesn't they don't know they don't they don't particularly care maybe but so but if it is bad and he's fixing breaking that habit that their body's ingrained to doing mm-hmm. yeah it's, it can be really tough like I, I find it really like yeah hard <laughs> it's like funny enough yeah. I, I actually had to, to rein myself in weirdly it wasn't particularly bad form but remember Dan I, I was complaining my back squatting and we thought it was frequency was it when your hips were too low when they weren't kicking yeah I, I noticed that my chest but it was only like maybe three weeks ago my chest was pointing towards the floor when I was squatting rather than chest up there was a slight kind of so when I was coming back up I was kind of driving through my way through my glutes more than my quads and as soon as I got out of the habit but it, I just needed to see it do you know what I mean? Like some people just need to, it's hard to not know. Do you know what I mean? I sent videos to my coach and he called me out about six months to a year ago on not pulling the bar into my traps hard enough. Mm. And when I did it, it solidified my upper back so much that I was getting no butt twinkle. My positioning was 10 times tighter after two or three weeks of re-drilling that skill. And like it's something you'd never see in yourself. So like that's where the outside eye yeah. comes in again. It pays to have somebody to go, Right, that doesn't look great. Whereas when you be looking yeah. at your same skill and you're like, oh, my squat is slamming. And then you yeah. actually, he's it's like, going up. <laughs> like, I don't know how many times I've got like my, my, my three rep max or something with him and he's gone. There was two more in there. You're a minge. <laughs> I like, love just that. called me out. Just called me out. I, uh, a strange one is um, trying to get clients to brace in a squat when they're like warming up. So, like, if they're a new client and you're like, right, oh, yeah, brace, yeah. and they're like, yeah, but this is so light. It's just like a 15 kilo bar, and they're like trying to pull it in tight. And they're like, hmm, as if you're like psyching yourself up with the biggest lift you've ever done. And they're like, yeah, that was the warm up. Yeah. <laughs> that was the warm up. <laughs> <laughs> but then when it, when it goes through and you start to add load, then they're like, oh, yeah, that's why you made me do that. Yeah. I also find that the warm ups like your main reps. Like yeah. some of those, uh, how some people don't realize how hard they can push themselves. That's always what I find. They're like, "Oh, this is really heavy. I'm done." It's like, "No, no, you, you're literally warming up at the minute. You can, you can see that. Like, as as a, as a PT, you get used to seeing like how hard people are working." 
That's right. where I think video comes in quite well when you can show them how quick they're moving something. So it's worth yeah. filming them every now and then and going like, look, look, that shifted more than comfortable. That was like a six, but you thought it was an eight. Yeah. But like it's quite easy to get caught. I think we even do that ourselves. That's why I film some of my top sets because it always looks faster than it feels. I, I I always film my top sets and I'm like, this is I'm grinding so hard and I look at them like, oh, it's yeah. I but, I could have got another two, <laughs> but, I, but I can't. I, I I just I can't push that. I'm like. I, in my head, I'm done, but, I, but it, it, it just seems to go or not. <laughs> yeah, that all or nothing. All or nothing. It's like it's it's either up or it's not. Like my uh, like when I did when I did my 100 kilo dip, it just went down and up. Like cool. Yeah. So getting over anxiety when stepping into the gym on your own. I've got one, which is good. Is that no one gives a shit. Like everyone, yeah. it's a selfish act going to the gym. Let's be honest. I'm looking in. I'm looking in the mirror. Everyone else is looking in the mirror. I'm not looking around to people going like, "Ooh, what, what's that person doing here?" This that's the, least the most people favorite clients. Oh, really? It's the last one of your clients? No, it's make it's my favorite kind of clients. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. making making these by bringing like confidence out of, out of these people, making them self sufficient in a place where they feel intimidated. And it's and it's skills they can take to other aspects as well. Like if you put me in an office where everyone's on a on a computer, I'm gonna feel like they I like I'm gonna feel the same way as they would feel coming into the gym, completely yeah. out of my depth, not clue what's going on. Something I'm very not good at, which is like academic stuff and office stuff. So like yes, yeah, I think it's getting like you said, it's bringing them through to that point where they no longer need you is the exciting bit for me. It's like getting to a point where they're self sufficient and like. As soon as they realise that everybody's too busy looking at themselves in the mirror than looking at them is the point I think most people go, do you know what, this is all about just getting it done. But getting them to that point can take weeks or months, depending on the client. Yeah. I think it comes down to them not knowing what to do in the gym. Not like, it's, oh, I just come, they're scared because they don't know what they're doing maybe. If, if they're new to the gym, so I'm coming down, I don't even know what, what's what or what does what or why. Um, they, they just, that, that's already daunting in itself. Like I've said, mentioned earlier, we fear the unknown. Which is just natural. We don't. If it's something we don't understand, we're going to be skeptical of it. So, yeah. like, I get a lot of my clients to nail the big basics with me first. So, the squat, the bench, the dead, the big compounds first. Once you've got those down, everything else in the gym is easy. It can't really go wrong. A lot of the stuff, like chins, not so much chins, but like pull downs, rows, yeah. presses, or machine based stuff. That all does it for you. So if you can get them to a point where you're like, your form is better than 70% we see in the gym that aren't being coached, you can now be confident that you know what you're doing. And like you said, once you build that confidence in, this is my program, this is what I need to do, and I know how to do those exercises, Yeah. you don't worry about people saying anything because you know you're doing them right. For some, pe- for some people um, who for some people who are really struggling to go to the gym for themselves, I, I've, had, I've had someone in the past where their goal has been... Um, for that week is that right today um one day this week you're going to go to the gym pick a day you're going to go to the gym and even if you just walk in go to the desk and walk out that's a win like because they haven't been like for, the, for, for them that might be a massive deal and like stepping over the threshold is huge yeah just it, it, just something as simple as that for, for for one of my clients was just like really a no-go and like to just go into the gym by themselves and then to do anything. So even if they went in and just like, whatever it might be, I don't know, cross trainer for 10 minutes, anything, then that, that's a win. They've completed that goal. They, like, that's it. 
just to get used to getting... I think we're all in it just to see people become self-sufficient and look after themselves. Like, I think we all know of some PTs who just want to keep clients recurring and keep taking their money, but that's not the yeah. point. Yeah, no. But, but let's not start ranting about that. No. <laughs> that's a good yeah, I, I think it, it, I hate it when a client leaves and then doesn't you don't see them and then they contact you again. Yeah. No, you were supposed to do this yourself. I love the clients that leave and then they're strutting around the gym, loving it, and still making progress, even though you're not with them anymore. But like you might find like some clients, I think it might take like one rotation. Other clients, it might take two or three rotations yeah. before they're like, you know what, I know what I'm doing now. I think we all it's it's like Pete said, we take it for granted that we walk into the gym and it's our natural habitat. Whereas like if we walked into a broker's den or like we went into somewhere that was out of depth, I think all of us would still be like, Ooh, this is new. Yeah, yeah. Run time. Yeah, we'd all, all be skeptical all be skeptical, nervous, anxious. Like trying to think trying to think of that. What what was the last place you went to that was like that, the equivalent? ITC Catrick in two thousand and eight. Do what? You broke up then. ITC Catrick, otherwise known as Infantry Training Centre Catrick. Oh, yeah, shit my pants. <laughs> oh, I bet. <laughs> yeah. I think my bum hole was like, uh, what did somebody text me today? My arsehole was going like a paparazzi's camera lens. <laughs> like a thirsty fish. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I think we've all been in those situations. And I think that's where we need to look back on is to, for people to be like, you know what? It isn't as easy for everybody. It no, isn't as easy as just walking trying, in and cracking on. Yeah, trying to be no. empathetic and that sort of thing. And... <laughs> all right, I gotta wrap it up here. Um, thank you right. for listening. If you've Thanks managed much, to get guys. to the end of this, if you've managed to get to the end of this, fair play to you. Fairly, must yeah. be you must be a close family friend of one of us. <laughs> uh, and hopefully we'll have uh, another episode sooner than the last one uh, thank you for listening and yeah. see you soon bye